Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. Tom Pellicero in for Royce today. It's been a while, boys. Chris Reavers is here. Manny Hill. How it's you been, doing, so, Tommy? It's been so long, the mayor didn't know that you had switched platforms. Which, I, by the way, I know it's part of Joe's charm is his naivete. Sure. But, my God, that's our guy, isn't it? To a T. But I love that he introduced me <laughs> as the voice of football in America, which, very nice thing for him to say. Sure, yeah. But I assumed that he knew that was in reference right. to where I work. I sometimes walk into this building and we'll have these long gaps just because my schedule doesn't allow me to be here. And I will feel like the the unfrozen caveman radio host where I don't know quite what's been going on on the sure. station. Sure. I'm I'm not entirely familiar with what might be happening with the Timberwolves, the Wild, it's a... Because you're laser-focused on football. It's just a tunnel vision. I don't have mm-hmm. time. Yep. Somebody asked me that. I was in Culver City at our studio the other day, and one of our producers said, you know, you're a baseball fan. So, ah, I, I see some. And then, well, you like any sports? <laughs> like, I usually start watching the Wild about mid-February mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. year. Once once the Super Bowl's over with, yeah. But then I have interactions like that with Joe, and I realize right. we've all got our blinders. Right, right. He's busy going after the people who are renaming Lake Calhoun, and I'm all consumed with a Week 11 football matchup. So let me ask you a question. You Obviously, you had, you had mentioned this during the last hour, but how different is it doing what you do now for the network as opposed to what you did before with USA Today and what you did here for 1500ESPN.com? Well, is it? I mean, it's obviously drastically this, of course, different. Nothing could compare to being at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. No, I mean, <laughs> by the way, I'm I am slightly offended that when they redid our website mm-hmm. a few years ago, the fifteen hundred ESPN dot com, they rerouted all the how everything is, all the folders are set up. Yeah, so everything I ever wrote here is gone. There is no record. If somebody ever decided to fact check my work history, they m- there might be a few red flags. Sure. Raised by the fact that all my work here no longer exists. You cannot find a thing. I guess I didn't even realize that. There's tweets, but they all have links to things that are sure that are no longer there. Sure. I, I don't know that, that NFL Network is that different from a fundamental perspective. I, I think that there are 
certainly differences in terms of doing television all the time. I had the thought while I was in the makeup room on Tuesday in Culver with a woman trimming my nostril hair. I didn't get this treatment before. Sure. That's certainly something that is that is new to me. Well, and I guess I look at the the broader landscape of the way that sports are covered now, and I think the way that sports are going forward, the way sports will be covered is it's going to be more of the form that you're doing. I mean, we've we've already seen it with whether it's Fox or whatever, and we saw it during the baseball season where you know Ken Rosenthal doesn't have a platform in which to write where it's all video blogs, and it's that's just, I think, the trend in the way that we're going to covering sports going forward. It's shifted a lot, and I know that uh, you know there's a lot of good people over at The Athletic, and that's yep. certainly yep. trying to redo the model in terms of getting people to pay for sports-specific coverage. It's certainly an avenue that's there. I know they've got a lot of funding behind it, which is great. Creates more jobs. I, I don't know that necessarily anybody knows where the, the landscape is going other than social media dominates the consciousness in a lot of ways because that's how content ends up being widely distributed. That's how you end up having things that go viral much faster than they ever did before. I think we're all just trying to figure it out, man. Yeah. It's all about the delivery mechanism. And it's all about staying employed. (laughs) (laughs) So I was in L.A. the past couple of days. I went to the Rams facility. I had not been out there just because my sort of network of travels just had not taken me out there. In part because we're based in Los Angeles, they've got a lot of people there, so sure. it's hard to it's hard to make that sell on why you need to fly me out. Is the facility new, or is that coming with the new stadium, the practice facility? It is a temporary facility, so it's out in Thousand Oaks, yep. at Cal Lutheran University. Oh wow! I've, I've been out to, to Thousand Oaks before. When you drive up to it, and I made this comment to the, the general manager Les Snead and other people out there, when you drive up to it, it's like you're at Area Fifty Two. I would make a Stranger Things reference, but it's not even that descript. Hmm. It is just a fence with a single security guard. There's a football field on one side, but there is not a Rams logo. The parking lot and the road leading up to it are dirt, not paved. And then a door slides back after you identify yourself, and then you walk in, and there's like one door with Rams logos on it. And then you get inside, and I mean, it's a temporary facility, but... Set up very well. Practice fields immaculately groomed. They apparently reoriented the practice field, so now you're looking at the mountains when you look down the field. I mean, sure. it's unbelievably gorgeous Picture up in that us. area. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just it's funny when you when you go around the league and you see the different facilities, how different they all are, and how ultimately I don't want to say it makes no difference whatsoever, but you can have the nicest facility in the world or the worst. And you still could be a very good team or a very terrible team. Well, and a lot of that is just because, and you just mentioned it, it's it's be, it's the uh, ability for ownership to capitalize on it. We're going to see that here next year when they open the new facility out in Egan with, right. with the Wolves. And, I mean, and that'll be great from a variety of perspectives. I mean, having those fields there, having high school football, they'll be able to have training camp in-house. They'll have much better resources for players. You're going to wow free agents more than you did taking them through Winter Park. Mm-hmm. I will miss Winter Park just as an entity. I mean, the Vikings have trained there forever. I've covered that team on and off since 2003. So the number of different practices in that field house and being out back, back in the days when the media center was still in the building in one of the old racquetball courts, we actually had a discussion because live shots, if you've watched on NFL Network, sure. ESPN, whatever, 
it's always in the roundabout. Yeah, it's outside <laughs> facing the ship, mm-hmm. the Viking ship. Because you, you've got to have, yeah, you've got to have that in the background. So I, Andrew Siciliano, our host who also does Red Zone, that yeah, you watch. I love, I love Red he Zone. He caught me off guard at the end of the segment. He's just like, by the way, Tom, I love the ship in the background. I'd loved, you know, like, is that coming with to the new building? And I, I was pretty sure on this. I said, I don't think it is. I think that the new facility is opulent. I, I just remember the renderings in my head. There was no ship there. They can, you know, project it onto an LED screen or something like that. They don't need to bring the physical ship. But I did a little homework on it. We came back later in the show. So, number one, it's not a real ship. It is built into the ground. It's not like something historical. It's built with the building. Okay. It can be yours for a price. Oh, it's going to be for sale. They don't have a plan for it as of now. But again, it's not a real boat. The you would have to take it away in several pieces, <laughs> figure out how to haul it, then get it to your property, wherever that might be, and then reconstitute it that as came, a Viking ship. That came under the Red ownership. Didn't Red have that built out there? It was there before that. Was it? Okay. And then it got fixed up, I believe, shortly after the Wilfs bought the team. Okay. And then it got fresh coat of paint because before it looked like they were shipwrecked. Sure. Now it looks, I mean, the, the what do you call it? The sail? Mm-hmm. Is it a sail? I think it's on a that sail. Type of yeah. ship? We'll yeah. go with sail. Yeah. It's a little bit, it's a little raggedy looking, but like the ship itself has been repainted and everything. Okay. So it is possible. I don't know how much space you've got, Reavers. Oh, but, but you know, you know a team of like 10 diehard, hardcore Viking fans that have got a couple of bucks, they're going to pool it together and put it in somebody's backyard. And if, that's, you, yeah, if you had a and big, that's where they're going to put a the, big property, the you're a Viking fan. I can't think of a whole lot better. A strip of old Metrodome seats is one thing, but to actually have the ship from Winter Park. I think that'd be a fairly that would be a good conversation piece. Right. And then you could you know charge 10 bucks for guys to come over and watch the game. I mean, I, you you got something going there. We'll talk plenty more on the Vikings-Rams game. I did spend time with the Rams. I'm around the Vikings a lot. We'll get into all that later on in the show. We will make some picks, and by we, I mean everyone but me, because there are very various contractual reasons for which I cannot do that, especially against the spread. Uh, Kevin Seifert will join for his regular Thursday segment, Talking NFL. And after this, can Devin Dubnik in the wild keep it rolling? We'll talk with Tom Chorsky about that, it's Tom Pelissero in for Royce on the ride. Tom Pelissero in for Patrick Royce on the ride. Get back to the NFL in a bit. Some picks later on, but right now, Minnesota Wild preparing to face the Nashville Predators. Tom Chorsky joining us to, to talk about that. Before we get to the Wild, Tom, I got something even more important for you. Rook informed me your daughter is a freshman on the uh, Edina Hornets hockey team. Is that right? That's yeah, that's correct. She just uh, they just made the team uh, about a week ago, I think. I'm an Edina alum, so high hopes as always for everything yeah. that happens over there. Are they still in Braemar Arena these days? Oh, absolutely. It's it's going strong. They've uh, added an outdoor rink, and it's kind of the backyard rink. It's covered and it's refrigerated, but it's open on the side. So. Uh, yeah, Braemar is still one of the, it's kind of one of the classics, and uh, the girls won the state tournament championship last year, so they they returned as defending champions, and then the boys uh, returned, I think everyone except three players, and the three players they lost were very little of their scoring. One one player was, but so they should be good too. Not bad cracking that roster as a freshman then, coming off a state title. 
Yeah, there was. Um, she was the only ninth grader, and then I think two tenth graders made it that uh, she played with last year too. And they've got a handful of girls that are committed to Division One schools. I think either five or I don't know, maybe even six that are. Uh, one's going to the Gophers. One's going to Penn State. One's going to Harvard. Another's going to Middlebury. And there's they got a strong squad. There's no question. So looking at the Minnesota Wild right now, a lot of talk about Devin Dubnik, the 195-minute, five-second shutout streak. They're also a team that's not scoring a ton of goals right now. The power plays in a, a pretty long slump. Give me your, your overview on where the Minnesota Wild stands at this point, Tom. Yeah, no, you've uh, you've kind of summed things up pretty well there. And, and when that's the case, uh, you know, teams are able to or you know through the coaches and all the analytics or just maybe their gut feel and what they see and know is they uh they do what they can to win hockey games and um out of the gate you know the team went down lost Charlie Coyle lost Granlund and lost Nino Nina Ryder and lost Zach Parisi so right away they knew that uh they were without some of their uh, top 6 forwards and some of their firepower but um, Chris Stewart came out of the gate kind of out of nowhere to score a bunch of goals and he was kind of helping him offensively and um, and then then they went in that little skid there where they weren't scoring and they weren't defending very well so they knew they had to kind of get their game together in the D zone and that's that's what they've done uh, they were on a road trip uh, out, out east I should say and, and by the time they got back from Philadelphia I think they had started this, this shutout streak and Jason Zucker started heating up he's another guy that's been uh, just kind of doing some amazing things offensively but the team right now is um, it's relying on their defending uh, J- they've started uh, allowing Dubnik to see the pucks that, that are getting shot at him I think for a while there some were going off his own defenseman and some were coming off the end boards and then hitting him and and so they've they've kind of rectified that or at least the bad luck has stopped uh bouncing their way and and they've been defending well blocking shots and getting just enough goals to uh to win games tom chorsky is our guest how, how do you jump start a power play the nhl level you played for a number of years i know you can you know move people around try different combinations but what, what works well that's that's a it's it's kind of a mystery Coaches will um, typically go, they'll play the simplicity card. They'll say, hey, we're going to simplify things. We're just going to get pucks on the net. And, and really they are. They're, they want things, they want shots to come from wherever and get to the front of the net. And then they want bodies uh, uh, in front to tip screen or get rebounds. And these are things that we kind of resort to when we're talking about them on TV and trying to analyze uh, what's going to get them going or what's working. And, and whether it's um, a self-fulfilling prophecy or not, it, that seems to be something that, that kind of works. But the other thing that works is moving the, moving the puck a lot. Sometimes power plays get a little stagnant, and, and the players hold on the puck for an extra second or two seconds, and they're thinking and overthinking. And when they're at home, the fans are yelling, shoot, shoot, and, and everyone's <laughs> got an answer for them. But um, if they can get back to moving the puck quickly, and then the, the hardest thing for goalies is to track a puck that can moves from one side of the of the uh, zone to the other. And so if they can find seams uh, within that penalty killing unit that they're facing and move the puck kind of all the way across the zone, that typically uh, produces a good scoring chance. And and so it might be some some better puck movement, quicker puck movement, quicker decisions, and then and then puck movement to to find the goalie having a hard time tracking that puck moving across the zone. 
You bring up a great point with the fans yelling shoot. When you're on the ice, I'm sure you can hear the difference between cheers and boos, but how conscious are you of what what's kind of raining down on you at certain points, especially if uh, people are getting frustrated? Uh, well, I was never on the power play, so that wasn't a problem for me to listen to that, but I could hear it from the bench. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, occasionally you don't really hear it. I think subconsciously you hear um, an elevated noise, but with the plexiglass and unless there's a really booming voice up in the upper deck that can really um, find a moment of silence and, and belt out something, you, you know, you might catch that, but mostly you don't hear too much until you're, um, until you're walking off after a period. There's usually some, some pretty uh, comical you know, barbs and, and jabs and chirps made from when as you're going down the tunnel from from the audience. What was the most hostile place you played in as a as a home player or a visitor? Well, you know, playing in New Jersey, we would travel about I don't know, it was five miles or so to New York and play the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. And some of the fans at the Garden were, uh, you know, they were known to be pretty aggressive. You go down to Philly, uh, some pretty aggressive fans there as well um you know should the chicago stadium fans i don't know how aggressive they were but it certainly was really loud and and back in kind of back in the 80s and early 90s they had they relied on a pretty physical brand of hockey and they had some tough customers and they typically would start the game by trying to take your head off and so you knew you had to survive for 10 minutes and then they would settle down a little bit and you might be able to to actually carry the puck for more than two seconds without getting your arm slashed off but uh you know it's it's so much fun whether yeah i mean you're bringing back memories of going into hostile environments and and that actually would get you kind of fired up if you're on the road and you know you're facing uh not only maybe a tough team or a tough opponent but uh you're going to have some some fans that are in your ear all night too that just gets you going a little bit i don't know how much it it really exists now too i mean certainly you go on the road you're going to hear it from fans but just looking back you know, watching old youtube videos and stuff the tunnels were a lot tighter the fans seemed like they were a lot closer i don't know if the the clientele has changed or just the uh the proximity but it seemed like there seemed to be a higher uh, percentage chance of an incident uh, 20 years ago than there is now. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think there was a little less security and it was almost a little bit part of the game experience right. uh, was that, you know, you were going to have fans kind of hanging over you and they were going to be yelling at you and saying certain things. But um, the game has, you know, certainly, I don't know, rinks are nicer, ticket prices are higher, the game's been refined, There's you know, there's a lot less fighting and there's a lot less um, hooking and hacking, and and so it's a game that's fast and skilled, and so yeah, I think overall the overall game experience and the overall game in the NHL has been refined, and and you know ho- hopefully it's an improved product, but uh, yeah, it was a little more blue collar back in the day, and a little more kind of rough, uh, rough and tumble, and and so that's kind of what came along with the uh, with the brand, but uh, I like the game these days. It's 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 fun to watch. It's so fast. It's so skilled. There's still some hitting, especially around playoff time. It, mm-hmm. it gets gets back to being a an aggressive game. But uh, you know, getting back to the Wild, we 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 hopefully they're facing a tough they're t- a tough opponent tonight in, in the Predators. I'm going to be tuned in to kind of see how they fare against the defending Stanley Cup champions, and uh, it's a good test for these guys tonight. So with Dubnik starting again, his backup has not started a game, I think it's since Halloween. How far do you push that? 
as a coach very, very early in the season, no matter how hot a guy is. In other words, at some point, you don't want to just wear the guy out because he happens to be rolling pretty good. How, how long can you keep a guy going like this? Yeah, and you know, and they were intending to use Alex Stalock, the backup who uh, played his college hockey at Duluth, and he's from South St. Paul. But mm-hmm. they planned on using him a little bit more, and they were doing that. Uh, and then that East Coast road trip I was just talking about, uh, he had to leave the team because his wife was going to have their second child, and so he was scheduled to play. And he didn't. And since then, um, that's when Devin Dubnik has gone on this three straight shutout role. And so now they can't take him out right now while he's playing so well. And they happen to have had um, some days between games. So it allows Devin Dubnik to rest and 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 prepare and, and be, I guess, fresh for, for each game. But I think they're they're probably I haven't looked at the calendar closely, but I'm sure the team is already starting to identify um, a, a game when they're going to get Alex Stalock back into the lineup because they do want to give uh, Devin Dubnik a little more rest early in the season and make sure he's not uh, worn out by the end of the season because they it's just part of their their long term strategy for a deeper push into the playoffs. Great insight, Tom. Thanks a lot for the time. Hey, you guys have a good rest of the day. You too. It's Tom Chorsky joining us, breaking down all things Minnesota Wild. They got the Predators tonight. Picks coming up in just a little bit. But first, on the other side of this break, a John Height sports update. It's Pelissero in for Royce on the ride. And now in the newsroom, here is John Height. Thank you, Tom. I got to tell you, I'm sitting in here with uh, Mr. Reavers and Manny. Mm-hmm. You know what Chris was just doing? He was working on his fantasy football team, and he was breaking down the weather yep. at some of the games. Big that, weekend. Big he's weekend torn on which squad. kicker to start, Tom. I'm going with Nick Rose, I think, for the Redskins. The weather. Kick the 56 yard. Weather's a gigantic deal. See? That's why we spend such an amount of time on Sunday mornings on NFL Network See? talking about the weather, making sure that everybody's aware. You got rain, you got wind, anything else. Yep. And that's why I about it. tune in to make some last-minute adjustments to my lineup. That's who's watching NFL Network at 6 a.m. on Sundays. That because the five-year-old typically wakes me up that early, but you know. This, Thanks. Uh, for Come come for the yeah, five-year-old stay yeah, for me. Right. Uh, this obviously is why I quit playing fantasy football years ago, because I'm too lazy. I just I can't trust Blair weather. Walsh. I just can't uh, okay, do it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my update now, Chris. <laughs> uh, this update is sponsored by Account Temps. Tis the season for year-end projects and increased workloads. Account Temps is perfectly matched. Candidates that make closing out the year a breeze, visit AccountTemps.com to learn more. Account Temps, a Robert Half Company. The Minnesota Wild in action tonight. They are at home to play the Nashville Predators at the Excel Energy Center. Wild won three straight, and goalie Devin Dubnik has not given up a goal in those three wins. I told Manny my sole piece of Wild analysis on this show will be that uh, bumped into Devin Dubnik, among other Wild players, at a event <laughs> uh, featuring Spider-Man at uh, Dave & Buster's at Southdale. Oh, boy. Previewing the big Marvel Comics uh, oh, yeah. like stage yes. show yeah. that they're, they're bringing through there. So yeah. the little ones got to meet Spider-Man. And uh, Dubnik also was there with uh, his kid and uh, made his way over to the game where you throw balls to knock down the clown heads in the box. Sure. sure. Looked like he was on fire, so I'm expecting big things tonight. I like That's that. That's all I've got. Now, <laughs> were, were your uh, little ones, were they a little bit uh, timid towards Spider-Man? Were they all in? Because sometimes kids get a little bit scared off by a larger-than-life uh, figure like that. Tegan is three and all about Spider-Man. Okay. Loves it. All the other little girls at daycare for their summer party got different princess things, whatnot. 
Tegan got full Spider-Man. <laughs> nice. So she's a huge fan. Not so much about Green Goblin. Okay. She was oh, frightened. Yeah. Sure. I had to go up there. Spider-Man promised that he would protect her. And uh, afterwards, she said, that green guy didn't bother me. So it worked out. What is Green Goblin? Is that the the he's got a mask but no eye holes? Is that he's the he's the ultimate villain in Spider Man. When I was growing up, actually, huh. he was the ultimate really? villain in Spider Man. Hmm. I, I didn't have to deal with that uh, guy when my kid was young. You're lucky. That uh, show, by the way, looks pretty cool. I saw the previews last night. Like they're doing a nice there it is, job. Kenny. That's Green Goblin right there. Willem Dafoe played him in, yeah, uh, in the first, oh, yeah. in the first yeah, right. one, the Tobey oh, Maguire well, ones. Yeah. How could any kid like that? That's pretty scary. <laughs> <Yeah>. Gross. <laughs> High school football semifinals going on at U.S. Bank Stadium. Nine-man today. Spring Grove beat Stephen Argyle Central High School. At 2A, Caledonia easily handled Painesville. Uh, a couple of games uh, tonight, one just underway, Winona playing Academy of Holy Angels, that's 4A. And in 6A tonight, Maple Grove, uh, they're coming off that big win where they scored the uh, three touchdowns in 59 seconds, 8-3 uh, and three on the season, but they're taking on unbeaten Eden Prairie, that game at 7 o'clock. Are we at state, state semis right now? Semifinals, okay. correct, yep. Uh, for the second week in a row, Teddy Bridgewater will be the backup behind Case Keenum for the Vikings. And uh, he talked, Teddy did, with reporters a bit today. Uh, he said, that's fine. He's good with that. He was activated before last week's game, of course. He said today, Case has done a great job. He's competing. He's done everything the coaching staff is asking of him, and I couldn't be more happy for him. There is no clear timetable for Bridgewater's return. Mike Zimmer did tell the Fox broadcast crew last Sunday he intends to play Bridgewater at some point this season. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Bridgewater said, uh, well, who's ever in charge? Our job is to execute the game plan. It's exciting knowing someday I could be in there running those plays. For now, I'm excited just watching Case light up the scoreboard. We'll talk a lot more later on about the Vikings and Rams and the quarterback decision. But short version, it's a no-brainer to stick with the guy who you've gone on a five-game winning streak with. I think it's, There's yeah. no question. Mm-hmm. Good effort by Zimmer. Try to get the Rams to think maybe it's Teddy. <laughs> and if Keenum looks in the first half on Sunday like he did in the second half last week, you might see him sooner than later. You know, my sources are telling me that you're the one that agitated the head coach with the quarterback uh, questioning the other day, by the way. Mr. We've, we've, developed, we've developed a good relationship on that because uh, Zimmer called me out uh, about a month or so ago, because he claimed that I said on TV that Case Keenum was starting on Sunday when he had bent over backwards to not say who it was. <laughs> and I said, no, I said, he, I we expect him. He said, no, you said he's starting. So I rolled it back, and he was right. I had misspoken. What I said oh. was, he is expected. But as I told Zimmer, I'm like, your other guy's not even in the state. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, he's not practicing the past two days. He's not even here. You know, I get it, but you're probably not fooling anyone. So then, yes, on uh, Monday, he had he had initially said when he, I think it was John Krasinski from The Athletic uh, asked him, you know, who's your starter? He said, well, it's too soon. I'm going to talk to everybody Wednesday. <laughs> so I finally said, Mike, do you know? Who the starter is? He said, yes. I said, would you like to tell us? And he said. And he said, why would I tell you? And then on the, on the way out, on the way out without looking at me, he just goes, nice effort, Tom. <laughs> That's half the fun of uh, Dave Harrigan and I. We have on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday mornings trying to figure out who pissed off the coach? Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> Who was the reporter that set him off? And yeah, generally, he's not. Game. I don't think that's a occasion of him being ticked at me. There's other occasions, certainly. That That's one where it's just, 
We all know the game that's being played here, yeah, so you just yeah. kind of go well, along with it. As surly as Mike likes to be, especially <laughs> in those settings, I think he truly likes that cat and mouse game. Oh, it's with fun! You guys. To, it's fun to listen to, and I love his three-word answers. Though, yeah. though they're the answers that make me the happiest. The one yesterday yeah. that was in the transcript, <laughs> it's like a forty-word question about you know you have the turnovers and you, know, yeah, you, you just got to you got to be able to limit that. And what kind of advice do you give Case Keenum about about making sure that he's being careful with the football? Don't, don't do, do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's great. That's awesome. I, I, and then Case was on a conference call. I was in LA yesterday, so he was doing the road conference call. And I said, you know, Mike said this thing, you know, don't do that. I said, was there anything more to that? He goes, Nope. Nope. That was it. <laughs> I was like, that's a Mike Zimmer conversation. That's kind of how it goes. Thank you, don't Johnny. Do don't do that. <laughs> Picks next. Thursday pick four time. Tom Pellicero in with Patrick Royce, which means that there will be Chris Reavers and Manny Hill making picks. I will merely be directing traffic. That's right. During the course of this <laughs> you segment. You have to be objective. Somewhere, page 13 or so of my contract, I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to participate as an active better in this case. But I will leave it to you guys. Us degenerates will take care of it. Let's start out with the game that is on NBC as well as NFL Network tonight. Titans at Steelers, Pittsburgh, six and a half point favorites. Manny? I like the Titans to keep this close. I think Pittsburgh will win the game, but I like Tennessee to keep this close, and uh, the Steelers will win by a field goal. I'm kind of with you. I'm with you, Manny. The, the, The Titans, I believe, have won four games in a row, too. Something like that. Pretty well. I forget. But I, I, yes. I, I'm with Manny. I, I think uh, I think the Titans cover. I won't be shocked if the Titans beat Pittsburgh. And I know the Steelers are always tough at home, but I won't be shocked if the Titans uh, if the Titans beat Pittsburgh tonight. Titans have to be able to run the football. That's always where everything starts with them. They're never going to be a high flying mm-hmm. passing team. They were kind of the darling pick in the preseason too. To not, I mean, obviously the Patriots were the overwhelming favorite in the AFC, but some are projecting them to be in the AFC title game. You were setting your fantasy lineup during an earlier portion of the show. Yeah. I'm not sure that any situation has driven fantasy football owners more crazy than Marcus than DeMarco Murray. Oh, yeah. Right. Derrick Henry. Yes. Who alternate. Basically, it seems to be if Murray is on the injury report and doesn't practice much, he has a big game. <laughs> right. <laughs> if he's yes. totally healthy, bet your house on Derrick Henry. Well, and Mariota is one of those guys, too, where he, you kind of see some of the tools in him that he could lead him to be a superstar quarterback in this league. But I don't know. I, I, I still have my questions about him. With Mariota, it's all about where is his ceiling. There are people in the league who think he's already hit it, that we're kind of seeing oh, what really? he's going to be. Uh, you know, But they, they've also kind of gone under a little bit of an evolution. They've got the offensive line in really good shape. They have added pieces at wide receiver. They are still very run-dependent. They're in a division right now that's wide open. I mean, you got the Titans and the Jaguars with winning records, and the Texans and the Colts are bad. Right. Things are upside down of what they have been in recent years. But Titans won nine games last season. Everybody forgets that. Yeah. They've found a way to be in it. I mean, mm-hmm. the uglier the game tonight, if it's a 12-10 type of game, they probably won. If it's a 30-27 game, it's probably Pittsburgh winning Well, they've one. had a couple of blows, but they also beat the Browns in overtime with a field goal. 12-9, to nine, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Oof. That's... That's the way that they uh, they want to play down there in Tennessee. All right, Washington at New Orleans. The Saints, no surprise, seven and a half point favorites. Manny, yeah, I'm wavering on this one. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Saints only because they're at home and they're they're a different 
football team when they're at home. They get in that dome and that crowd is going. Washington has, I mean, Washington had that big win against Seattle a couple weeks ago, and you know the Vikings were kind of on the verge of blowing them out, and they got back into it. Uh, but I think New Orleans being at home in that dome will. Uh, I think I think New Orleans will win by about ten. It so is amazing after watching them in Week One here against the Vikings, the turnaround that they've had in New Orleans. It's been remarkable. Um, that being said, Washington's one of those teams that always finds a way to just stay in the ball game. They're not going to win the game. New Orleans is going to win the game, but I think they'll I think they'll cover the seven and a half points. Washington will. It'll be a high scoring game. I have a feeling too. The Saints defense is is what's really geared this turnaround. They're running the football more effectively, but also they've got one of the youngest starting defenses in the whole league. Marshawn Lattimore has changed the way they can play. They're running a ton of man coverage against the team that wants to sling it around like Washington, especially with Rob Kelly out. They're shorthanded running back now. This is going to be one of those games where Kirk Cousins might have to outshoot the opponent, Mm -hmm. and down in uh, New Orleans, that's not going to be easy. Atlanta at Seattle, two teams that know each other very well. Seahawks, Three-and-a-half-point favorites. Manny? I will take Seattle at home. They always seem to play a little better when they're, when they're at home and it's prime time. So I think uh, Seattle, I think three-and-a-half is a little bit of a small number in that matchup, so I'll take Seattle to win at home. I think Atlanta found its groove. I mean, we were all waiting for them to have their turnaround. I think uh, not only will Atlanta cover the three-and-a-half, I think Atlanta beats Seattle mm. on Sunday. No Richard Sherman, potentially yep, no true. Cam Chancellor. Those are two big losses. Sherman's not going to be back. They're going to have to figure it out. I know they signed Byron Maxwell. And wasn't it there? Used to be there. It wasn't last year because I think it was two years ago that they played in Seattle, and there was that Julio Jones got just mugged at near the end of the yeah. game, and they didn't throw the flag. I remember that, was that last game. year. Was it last year? It was last year. Okay, yeah. and I remember that that was a big deal because Atlanta should have beat them. And that was early in the season before you were totally certain that Atlanta was really good, mm-hmm. but they hung in that game. They put up a ton of points. Kyle Shanahan was a difference maker for that team. Everybody focuses on the second half of the Super Bowl, but look at what that offense did. I think the seventh highest scoring offense of all time, something like that, wow. to where they are now with a lot of the same pieces. Shanahan knows how to get guys open. You know, nothing against Steve Sarkeesian, but he's running somebody else's scheme, and they still just have seemed like they're trying to get into the rhythm of running that same stuff and figuring out how they're going to scheme it up. Philadelphia, three-and-a-half-point favorites at Dallas. Manny? I think the only thing keeping this from being a higher spread for Philadelphia is the fact that they're on the road. I think Philadelphia goes in and takes care of business against yeah. the Cowboys. Yep. The, the Cowboys were awful in Atlanta last week. Tyron Smith... If you don't know how good Tyron Smith is, you realized how good he is on Sunday because he wasn't there and Dak was on his back for half the game, it seemed like. I think Jim Schwartz and that defense for Philadelphia is going to get after Dak again, and there's no Zeke again, and so uh, I like Philadelphia to win big. Especially coming off their bye week, too. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia, that is. And and everybody says you know losing Zeke was a big deal. Well, losing the left tackle was a much bigger deal. They're, um, they're both huge. Th- well, but I, no, at least if Tyron Smith is playing, Dak Prescott's got a chance to make a play or two. And you're going to run the football more effectively as mm-hmm. well. Zeke is a this, difference This should maker, be a though. much bigger number than three and a half for if, Philadelphia. If you still had Elliott without Tyron, you, you would have a better chance. True. Just because that guy and the way that he can pummel defenses and just fall, you know, fall forward, gain the extra yards, he's a grinder now. Elliott can beat you in a lot of different ways. Now all of a sudden you're down to McFadden and Rod Smith and Alfred Morris, whose legs really haven't been the same for a few years. 
they're, they're in a tough spot. You can imagine mm-hmm. if you get blown out on your home field in this spot and you're already down in the division, this is one of those ones that can start to be the separation yep. point mm. from a rest of the division that right now there is nobody else really within striking distance. Washington mm-hmm. barely, but the Eagles can really separate this thing uh, coming up this week. Last game. Rams at Vikings, who are two-and-a-half-point favorites. We don't need to belabor the analysis because we'll be playing more of that uh, in the coming segments. But Manny, who you got? I will take the Vikings at home. I think the Rams will keep this close because I think the Rams are legit pretty good. But I uh, like the Vikings being at home to uh, feed off of the crowd and win this game. Ditto. Good work. <laughs> More on the Vikings and Rams coming up. Kevin Seifert joins us in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. It's Tom Pellicero in for Royce on the ride. Changes coming to the programming around here. Reavers has the breakdown. Yeah, uh, tomorrow will be the very final episode of the Mike and Mike morning show here that we air on 1500 ESPN. They launched January 3rd of 2000, and tomorrow, November 17th, will be their last show together. Um, Quick Mike and Mike story. I think you knew this about me. I drove to Giants Stadium for the Vikings-Giants-NFC Championship game back in 2001. Well, January of 2001. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the second to last row at Old Giant Stadium. Okay, spent way too much money. I was in college. I had no. I had I had ten dollars in my checking account. But we were going to go to the game. There was four of us. The guys behind me, through the utter debacle that was forty-one to nothing, all they kept saying the entire game. I cannot wait to listen to Mike and Mike in the morning to hear what they're going to say. That's all they, these New Yorkers. That's all they cared about was what these guys were going to say. And then Mike and the Mad Dog in the afternoon because they they were just they were they were New York true and true. These guys that were sitting behind us, but oh my God, what a what a heck of a run! One key Minnesota connection, yes. And I do remember Mike and Mike coming to visit when we launched fifteen RDS yeah, came back in right. two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Came yep. to an event over at uh, Target Field. You got mm-hmm. to talk to those guys. It was the uh, opening of the stadium, right? It was, yes. Yeah. It was around the, yeah, right when Target Field opened. Uh, one of their many producers through the years, Scott Shapiro from Edina, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That's right. Was uh, part of that team. I believe he was still around uh, in another capacity when they actually came through mm-hmm. in 2010. So, certainly some of the best. 17 years. That's a heck of a run. Onward and upward. So, what are we carrying now? Mornings on 1500 ESPN? It'll be Trey Wingo with Mike Golick and Mike Golick Jr., who, if you haven't met, by the way, he's awesome. Golick Jr. is a really good guy. We did an event with him here back in August at the at Mystic Lake. He's a really good dude. So, it, it's going to be a good show. I can't wait. The Vikings quarterback situation, the 7-2 and two versus 7-2 and two matchup with the Rams, and why Greg Olson is doing this game on TV Coming up next, it's Tom Pellicero in for Royce on the ride.